welcome to our podcast, Parenting by the Pint. Enjoy the show! Greetings, Minivan Mafia. Lauren and I are longtime friends from Chicagoland that love getting together to chat about life, kids, family, and beer. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we have Paul from Miskatonic with us tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Miskatonic, drink some beer, the usual. Um, so, Paul, tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about the brewery, 30-second um, elevator speech, whatever interesting, fun facts, lesser-known tidbits, um, anything to get us started, and then we'll continue on with some, some fun questions. Yeah, my name's Paul. I'm our uh, taproom manager at Miskatonic Brewing Company. Uh, I have been with the company for over three and a half years. We opened in 2015. Our two owners, Josh and John, have both been in the brewing industry, I'd say, for 15, 20 years. John comes from Goose Island, uh, was a brewer there, you know, has done a lot there. Josh was a packaging lead at Two Brothers for a few years, and then... Uh, both of them decided that they wanted to open up their own thing and in the early, you know, 2010s started making ways to get the brewery up and running. And we, yeah, like I said, we opened in July of 2015. So we just celebrated our fifth anniversary in July. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Congratulations. It, mm-hmm. That's you. awesome. That's that great. Is awesome. Especially there's so many, I mean, think oh, about yeah. how many breweries have opened in the last you know, eight years, uh, really like a, a huge number of breweries in the Chicagoland area. But um, yeah, we really like Miskatonic. Actually, with our interview with with Ricky from Foreign Exchange, we kind of all agreed. And I think on tape that Miskatonic was one of the most underrated breweries in the area because you guys have put out some really solid stuff, especially within the last year or so. So yeah, yeah. I would agree with that too. I would, I would say that, uh, you know, we get people who live in, we're in Downer and Darien. I get people who live in the Darien Downers area who have never heard of us. Um, never seen any of our stuff. They randomly find us, uh, nine out of 10 because they're looking for hot butcher, which brews and packages out of our location. And then they, you know, they, they try our stuff and they fall in love with us. I have a couple of repeat customers who came in looking specifically for hot butcher beer. And now I see them multiple times a week drinking my beer so it warms yeah. my heart that's, that's good it. that's, that's good. good it is yeah we definitely we, we are fans and we were are promoting as much as possible but we are happy to have you with us tonight um thank you yeah so how did you end up at miskatonic what's your story there uh so i met josh our one owner him and i were both paralegals at a law firm okay. um we both actually kind of worked in the same department we were under the same manager for for a little while uh i had just started really getting into the craft beer game in 2013 2014 uh my go-to beer was red stripe or guinness i, re- I really like dark beers uh black and tans was my thing at, <laughs> you know irish at bars i would always have make me black and tans uh but i i met josh uh him and i developed a really good relationship he was in my wedding um nice and then actually the day we were going to go get fitted for our tuxes, he was like, Hey, you know, a part-time bartending job. I'm like, sure. I can make some extra cash. I was like, but probably can't do anything until after the wedding, which was in June. And he's like, Oh, no problem. He's like, one of our bartenders is going to be leaving who uh, is actually Alex Stankus, who is one of the owners of black horizon. Alex used to work oh, for us nice. for a little while while, while they were getting that place up and running. And Alex was then getting to the point where he needed to leave bartending with us to go, get Black Horizon up and running, start brewing and everything. So I took that position and it just kind of blossomed. I, you know, bartended for about a year and a half, you know, once, twice a week here and there, whenever they needed me. And then a production position actually opened up. And so I took a full-time position as a production. I was given the title of a brewer and taproom lead. Um, I'd actually only homebrewed like a handful of times. So AJ, our head brewer, was just like took me under his wing and kind of showed me everything. He was really excited because he was like, "I get to mold you how I want," kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> You're not set in your ways yet. Yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah, I really wasn't set in my ways. I never, I never commercially brewed before. I'd only brewed at Miskatonic a couple of times. We actually have a pilot system in our in our barrel room that we no longer really use due to reasons here or there. Um, and you know, I just, it was really an opportunity that I really couldn't pass up. My loving wife kind of, I think, cringed her teeth because I was going from a nine to five Monday through Friday to 
you know, a crazy brewing shift where I was going to be doing a couple days a week as production work and then bartending at night a couple days a week. So, um, yeah, and definitely then, a different schedule to get used to oh. uh, moving from an office position to uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, yeah. for sure. At, and then, oh, geez. So that was in March of, geez, I can't remember. That was in March of 2018. And then in, no, I lied. That was in September of 2018. And then in March of 2019, if I'm correct, I might be wrong. Uh, our former taproom manager, Sasha GM, TJ left. He actually is now the, the head brewer of Weiner. Um, okay. he left to go, he left to go brew at Weiner and, uh, I was offered the taproom manager position and that's where I've been for over a year. Um, it'll be two years. So it was 2018. I became, cause it'd be two years and the following September ish. I think my dates are all confused. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, I get that's it. Cool. Dates don't, yeah. Dates don't matter this year anyways. Um, Mm-mm. no, definitely not. Definitely not. This year is like a total wash. Like everything that happened in this last year, it's just, it's hard to even calculate where it falls into the timeline. It's just, yeah, that's all. It's all a simulation. <laughs> we like to say, Oh, um, it's horrible. <laughs> it's really cool how so many, like the craft brew industry in the Chicagoland area has blown up amazingly, but also like, there's so many ties, it's like everybody came from somewhere or what is going mm-hmm. somewhere. And there's yeah. so much intertwined, which is actually great for like collaborations and things because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have worked together or want to work together or have some sort of in at all different places, which is which just a really cool kind of community, um, it feels like. So, okay, I'm going to open a beer so that we can do that and then we'll continue on with some of our questions. So we're going what to What are you going to open, Lauren? I'm going to drink their West Coast Double IPA unified field theory all right you're also paul if you have the answers going to have to explain where some of these names came from oh grab that one out of the keyser i have (laughs) i have i have most of a i can give you most of the name information so we love that Uh, names are like one of my favorite things about breweries label design and names are just like one of my favorite things so definitely yeah, share so, that and yeah well and uh, for you can explain in a second but so i okay my twins are six so i didn't drink beer until about five and a half six years ago um and at the time like i drank like ipas for the most part and like mm-hmm. i definitely picked when i went to the store based off of label and names like i'm like i need oh, to yeah. try that because <laughs> i have no idea what i'm doing i have no idea what i'm drinking and now i drink everything from everywhere but at the time i was like i need coffee to survive from like 6 a.m till noon then i'm gonna have to like eat some chocolate and drink some beer the rest of the day and that's how i survived <laughs> like the first year of their life um but yeah, names are always super interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for example, Unified Filtery—that's a collab actually with Foreign Exchange. Uh, you guys said you did a little podcast with Bricky previously. Uh, I don't remember the comic book issue, but the name specifically comes from one of the West Coast Wizard or one of the West Coast Avengers comic book issues. Oh. Uh, and that's kind of like, and that's kind of actually why we went with the whole comic book design. I was gonna say, which uh, totally explains the can art. <laughs> yeah, uh, each one of those superheroes is actually all of our faces oh, that our cool. that our uh, awesome graphic artist Aaron Mooney uh, dubbed up for us. Um, I believe it was Ricky. Ricky was actually so kind enough that he bought two issues of the actual comic book, and that we've all actually signed it in. We have we all have intentions of hanging it up once we once we get it up. Ricky's got a comic book that he's gonna hang up when he gets his new spot up and running. New and, place, yeah. Yeah, when he gets his his own place finally, and uh, we have a comic book. I just need to get a frame and get it hung up. So that's awesome. Very cool. I Although, like it. I must say, I'm not at all surprised that you said that Ricky had to buy the comic books because he seems <laughs> like the collector type. This guy. Oh yeah. Is always like on the hunt for something. The last time I saw him, he was like literally on a quest to get a case of Black Tuesday that oh, somebody yeah. stumbled upon online. <laughs> and I was just like, you and the spear, man. Yeah. Oh, Dude, it's, he's it's got so though, much in his, in his basement to begin with, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's got so much Black Tuesday. When, when, he, when we did our collab, he brought a bottle of it. Of course and he did. We, he's like, he's like there, I don't do a collab without drinking a bottle of Black Tuesday. So and actually it was my it was my first time having a black Tuesday, not at like Fobab or something. I'd actually mm-hmm. never had it like 
in person besides going to a festival. So I was so impressed with that beer in general. It is awesome. That I will agree with. Yeah. But he mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, it's a clear favorite for Ricky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He'll all buy right. it off. You have it, he'll buy it all. Yeah, I know. He will yeah. buy it all. All right. West Coast Double IPA. I've seen a few West Coast lately, but not nearly as popular as, uh, um, you know, the IPAs or oh, things no, like yeah. that. So it's, you know, it's harder to harder to find, but I think I like it's got a little bit of bite to it. Um, sorry, I'm smelling the beer. That's okay. That's smell, you know, and taste, sensory. It's all about it. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, Lauren and I, because I'm, I really have a very strong sense of smell. So like for me, when I started to drink beer, the smell of beer was the first thing that would really hit me with regard to whether or not I was going to enjoy the flavor. So like when I drink a beer that has a really strong smell, it's hard for me to get past that when I taste it. it good or bad. I mean, like at times, you know, the, the smell will be amazing and I'll think something tastes amazing and someone else will taste it with a weaker sense of smell and and feel like, yeah, this is good, but this flavor stands out more than that one or something like that. And like vice versa, when something has a really strong smell that, that I don't particularly like, I have a hard time getting over it when I drink the beer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think this is overpowering. It's got a little bit of a sweet aroma to it. Um, I really like the, the, you know, the hoppy bite to it at the end. You know, I don't drink a lot of West Coast. Like I said, there's not, it's not saturated in the market as much as some of the other ones, but this is a really, a really tasty beer. Yeah, we were trying to go for that, like, for this one specifically, we were trying to go for that, like, West Coast, piney, dank, and bitterness, but mm-hmm. with the juicy New England hop profile. Oh, yeah. Um, we that actually hit sense. this probably with one of our biggest dry hops, I think, that we've ever done in a West Coast IPA specifically. Um, and we, didn't filter it at all because we wanted to keep that like some of that hop aroma and that bitterness that you sometimes use when you do filter um certain beers so uh, i think you guys hit it right on the head because you do get that dankiness you. but you still get a little bit of citrusiness that you would mm-hmm. get from some of the you know the other ones and definitely that hop bitterness at, at the bite at the end so i think this is exactly like so we also talk about in terms of like a beer being as described. So like if you're going to go out and you're going to buy a Berliner Weiss that has fruited whatever in it and you drink it and you say you hate it, but you also say you hate sours, like, well, yeah, of course, you know? So like if it's something that is as described, then I think you really, you're successful in your brewing because it's what you set out to do. Now, if somebody likes it or doesn't like it, it's kind of up to them, like, you know, the, everybody's taste profile and what they like is different. But I think that in terms of the beer, your goal is to get something out of it as, like, as you want it to taste as you're describing it. And I think that this one definitely is as would be expected. Um, but I've definitely seen, like, on Untapped, they've got reviews and they're like, oh, I give it a two. And then at the end, they're like, oh, but I don't like hops. I don't like hops. Yeah. And you're like okay, well, why'd you drink it then? And why are you I know, it right? too? Like, so that, that frustrates me. But this, I think this hits the nail on the head with what you guys were, were trying to do. So, awesome. so very, Cheers. very Cheers. good. Well done. Um, so let's, let's continue on. We'll, we'll drink a little bit more as we go. But so you kind of touched on it, but what was like your first craft beer that you remember drinking? No, man. Um, I would say my first craft beer was probably probably Red Stripe, which is a Jamaican lager, um, or probably something in the Sam Adams, like the okay. you know those seasonal packs that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was in when I was in college, I uh, was very fortunate. Uh, I went to Illinois State. I lived off campus, so my rent was super cheap. My roommate actually moved out my last like nine months there. So I had a two bedroom place to myself. I could afford nice. it. Cause I, <laughs> cause I was working 40 plus hours a week at a, at a place down there. And uh, I was like, I'm getting a mini fridge and I'm stocking it with beer. And I was, that's when I was like trying to like get into the whole like kind of craft beer movement before mm-hmm. I knew that's what it was. I was just like, Oh, I don't want to drink cheap beer. Like Coors Light used to be my go-to. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of getting over that. So I'd say I stocked it with like, you know, Sam Adams seasonal packs, mm-hmm. uh, blue moon because uh my girlfriend at the time her sister loved blue moon so i was like all right well i'll keep some blue moon stocks in here for you so um 
so I'd say those were my first like branch into uh, craft beer. Then I realized that I, I love coffee. I'm a huge coffee drinker. So then I started getting into the dark beer game. Guinness, I think, was one of the first dark beers I ever tried. Okay. Cool. I was really slow to get into dark beer. Like, I remember my husband started working at Benny's when my now six-year-old uh, was born. And I remember at that time, he started to come home with, like, stouts and barrel-aged stouts and porters and, and things, <laughs> barley wines and all that stuff. And I remember my initial reaction was just like, this is Ew, not good. No. I can't. Yeah. I'm never going to want to drink. Why does it have marshmallows in it? And then like, <laughs> I was like, well, it tastes like marshmallows, but I don't like it. And then I, you know, That's you drink enough. just finished a six right. full of fun size. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> By myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know why it took me so long because like you said, you're a coffee drinker. I'm a coffee mm-hmm. drinker. I've been drinking coffee for forever, oh God, ever since yeah. I stopped sleeping in law school. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know why the idea of it that I just like couldn't get past it psychologically. Like I, it was one of, I was one of those people that was like, Oh, I don't drink dark beers. I just drink IPAs. And like, it took me a long time. Yes, I was. And I was kind of the opposite. I mean, dark beers is what like brought me into craft beer, uh, stouts, porters. I mean, I think one of my first barrel aged beers I had was KBS from founders. Wow. And that just like, opened my mind to this whole thing and then I remember uh when I met my 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 wife and I met my now brother-in-law he's like a huge craft beer uh he's not as much as he used to be but I definitely called him like a craft beer snob uh when him (laughs) and I first when I first met him but uh I remember all like all summer the first summer my wife and I were together he was always like pushing down my throat like all day IPA from founders and and um now I'm blanking on other just ones the they IPA do. Types, yeah. Just the, yeah, just like he was like all about Founders IPAs and and I loved Founders because I like I said I fell in love with KBS and I sure. was loving their dark beers, but I definitely was not like IPAs were not my thing, mm-hmm. especially West Coast IPAs. Um, and now, I mean, I my kegerator is full with the West Coast IPA <laughs> right now. So <laughs> I mean, that's I mean West Coast IPAs and Pilsners are like all that I really drink nowadays. Yeah. I, st- I still have the dark beers, but I definitely have toned it down a little bit. So they're, they're a little heavy, a little uh, can't drink as much of them, so that's fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I uh, Kara and I both went to U of I actually for college, and nice. uh, I didn't like I said I didn't drink beer till six years ago. So and I also didn't drink coffee though either. Like I made it through grad school without drinking coffee. I made it through my first kid without drinking coffee. And then I had the twins and I'm like, nope, can't survive without coffee. So then I started drinking coffee and beer and coffee like beers and all of those flavor profiles just like all came at once. And you know, I've been, you know, doing it ever since so i'm i'm definitely you know i'll, I'll try anything twice is my my motto because the first yeah. time you know you, you just don't know you got to give it two tries before you can really make a decision on something in my opinion so that's how i go by things i support that 100 percent. i think you're right about that because i think that i often will my first reaction to something it's like like my reaction to stouts with marshmallows in them like i remember the very first time i drank that it was a dragon's milk uh variant it was s'mores i don't i don't know if it was called s'mores but that's what it was and and i was i was just like okay from a totally objective standpoint this beer tastes exactly like like you were saying earlier lauren like exactly what they were describing to me okay it's a barrel-aged stout that had these flavors in it. It tasted exactly like that. And I was like, but this combination of flavors is just not my game and I'm just not into it. And I guarantee you, if you gave me that beer today, I would slam it. Like I would (laughs) love that beer. Yeah. And I just like, I often think about it and I'm just like, man, I should, I wish I had another one because I would drink it right now and just be like, this is what this is what I rejected. Like, yeah, well, and you know, the funny thing is like, because I didn't drink beer and my husband doesn't drink any beer. He yeah. literally drinks 
whiskey, scotch, and sometimes tequila, and that's it. So, and whiskey straight. So he, like, literally just drinks that. So we would have, like, beers, and we would have, like, we had, like, a BCS, or we had a Dragon's Milk. We used it for chili, because neither of us drank. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, neither of us drank beer. So we're like, what do we do with this? Well, I guess I'll make some food with it. Like, and it was amazing chili, but, like... You know, someone would have been like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Drink that! Stop! You're wasting no, it." <laughs> no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make some chili with it. So, um, Paul, you went to ISU. Yep. What did you want to be when you grew oh. up? <laughs> uh, well, I, I was a kid who never knew what I wanted to grow up. My mom was actually really worried. Oh uh, man! As, as, as a child, I, I never knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a firefighter, police, you know, officer, superhero, construction worker, blah blah blah. Um high school came around i actually fell in love with the tv series law and order uh so i actually <laughs> as we all was, did <laughs> yeah well e- even the original like the, the you know first season of like old school law and order like in the 90s i love those episodes still today mm-hmm. i i thought I, I thought i was gonna go to law school i actually uh i studied politics and government at isu because they didn't have a poli sci major it was politics and government um I actually got my paralegal certificate because I thought, oh, I'll do this for, you know, summer work or whatever. It'll help. Got out of debt. Got out of college. I only had 40, roughly forty, forty five thousand dollars in debt. And I was like, nope, can't, can't take the, the 130, school, the 130 yeah. to 200. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, right. Fair. No, I get uh, it. <laughs> my, my, my grades also weren't good. Like I said, I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, I worked at a Calzone place at ISU. There's actually a shop at U of I. It may not have been there when you guys were there. It's called DP Doe. Uh, it's a late night calzone place. Yeah, we graduated um, in 2004. How old are you, Paul? <laughs> I'm 32. Okay. Oh, okay. you're not that much. Okay. Yeah, we were we were there for a couple years earlier than you. 2004. Yeah. So, so the, I know that I know that DPDO and ISU opened up in 2007, and I okay. think the one at, at U of I opened in 2005 or 2006. So you like, like just missed it. Just we missed probably it. just missed it. Yeah. I think I think the one at U of I is on Green Street. If I'm most things are on green i would street. expect so yeah. i would expect that <laughs> yeah. we uh, lived off it, of green street for a while yeah, yeah. Uh, nice fun fact uh the so it's, it's two brothers who own they're both own, both own separate entities one of them started the one at uh u of i and then the other one started the one at isu uh they're actually getting ready to open up a brewery on top of the isu their ISU cool. location. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's awesome. Very yeah. cool. The, the owner at ISU always wanted to open up a bar, but we're a late night place and we're next to like four other bars. And mm. I think he realized that would not work with the crowd that they, they got in there. So, Fair, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought that was what I was supposed to do in life. And um, reality came crashing down <laughs> when I got out of got out of college and was like, holy crap, what am I supposed to do? Um, I'm also from central Illinois. My family lives in Springfield. I went to high school at a, in a town called Athens. Looks like Athens, but they call it Athens. I had 70 kids in my graduating class. Um, and I knew I was not going back <laughs> when I grad when I got out of college. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who like moved back home for a year or two, and I'm like, that's not an option. Not doing that. Uh, I actually found one of those crappy, not knowing any better, found one of those crappy like pyramid scheme sales jobs. Oh, Fresh out of college, no. up here, took it, did it for a month, lost money, oh. and you know, lived off my credit card for about a month, found my, excuse me, paralegal job that I ended up meeting Josh at, and I also met my wife at, she actually still works at that firm, um, and just got myself out of the shit storm of a debt I caused in, you know, a few short yeah, months. Yeah, that so. happens. <laughs> well, and, and now here you are, so things happen for a reason, I guess, you Oh, know? Yeah, everything happens for a reason. Exactly. I'm a firm believer. I yep. agree. You were talking earlier about how you kind of took a little bit of a leap of faith when you started working mm-hmm. for Miskatonic. And it made me think about like, my husband did something similar at one point and that we had this conversation. It was almost like a state of the union conversation where you, you oh, review yeah. everything that you guys are doing and, and you balance that with your happiness. You know, you have to bring in money, you have to pay your bills, but you have to be at least somewhat mm-hmm. happy. If you're not happy, yeah. what's the point? 
And we had that conversation and concluded that the best way for him to accomplish that was to move on from the job he had to the job he has now. And, um, and it was just a huge leap of faith because he went from a pretty decent full-time job with a ton of benefits to working like part-time minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at the time, yeah. No insurance. And so, I mean, we had to basically cover ourselves for health insurance. We had two small children. Like, it was a huge leap. Yeah. And we just, we were just like, well, it's, it's this or be miserable. So I guess we're just going to shoot, we're just going to shoot for it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. And that's exactly how it kind of happened with me. Josh texted me out of the, it, it had been mentioned that they were looking for someone full time. And I'm like, you know what? I've been here. If, if you guys have, I have literally no experience besides serving behind the bar. <laughs> I'd, I'd been manager and, and stuff and, I mean, I've been working since I was 15 years old and mm-hmm. have been a uh, shift supervisor, system manager, GM of a place before. So it's like, you know, I have experience, but I have nothing to do. I know nothing about brewing besides what you have told me in the year and a half, two years I've already been here. Um, got a text. Josh was like, hey, can you come by one day on your way home? Let's just have a little chit chat. So we talked and he threw numbers at me and was like, this is what we can do. This is what I'm offering. And I went home to my wife and she was like, he offered you a job, didn't he? And I'm like, yes. And <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had like a, I, I, yeah, like a state of a union. It was literally like a four or five hour conversation that it, it only lasted a night. I ended up calling him the next morning and telling him I accept your position. I typed up a resignation letter and gave it to my manager at my, my law nice. firm. She couldn't believe it. I, I'm pretty sure she was like, Oh my God, you're leaving. We yeah. thought you would never leave. And <laughs> I'm like, yep. I was like, this is a opportunity that I 100% cannot pass up. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to pass it up and then look down my life 15, 20 years later and realize that I screwed up, you know, yeah. that you I'm never want to have those. What, what if situations, like when something comes your way, it's really hard to, to, to pass up. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think everybody has that. Like my husband's been in the same job for a long time. Like he's a, he's a firefighter and you really just don't leave that job. Like once you go in it, that's what no. you're doing for the rest of your life. So, um, but you know, I, I, I'm a CPA, so I went to U of I for accounting and then I was traveling constantly. I was living out of a suitcase. I was traveling three weeks out of the year, out of the month. And, um, you know, that just got old. So I, I kind of didn't take a leap of faith per se, but I took a pay cut and I took, a, you know, it, was, it wound up being for the best. And I'm at the place that I am at now um, and I'm perfectly happy there 12 years later. But, um, you know, I think we all come to that kind of crossroads in life at some point, regardless of what it is. And you just have to kind of take that leap, but you really do. And I feel like our generation is so much better at this. You have to put your happiness ahead of the money, you know, and ahead of like that first like bottom line, like the money will come hopefully, obviously not like going from like a hundred thousand dollars a year to 30, like there's, you know, within reason, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't really put a price on your happiness or your time at home with your family or, or any of those things. And I feel like those definitely weigh heavily on, on some of those decisions. So, but good for you. I mean, obviously things are working out, which is great. Um, You've got some brewing experience now, which is, you know, maybe something you didn't expect when you were, you know, younger. Um, What has been your favorite beer to brew since you've been taking on kind of more of that role or even type of beer to brew? Yeah. So I haven't, uh, so unfortunately I haven't done any brewing since I took over as tap room manager. Um, It was a, it was a short lived thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was a short, it was, it really was. Like I said, I I got the position in September and then that following March, our. Oh, so you had like a few months. Yeah. Yeah. A few months. Uh, But I would say the, the best, I'm going to, I'm going to pat my own shoulder. The <laughs> best beer that I actually did make was a black IPA that I brewed on our pilot system. Okay. Um, cool. as, as I said, I'm a huge fan of the dark beers. Um, I have turned into more of an old school IPA lover. Black IPA is definitely, you know, that 2005, 2007 era has kind of died off. The only local brewery that I know that does it right now is still Pollyanna. They still brew their black IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brewed literally a 20 gallon batch in our on our pilot system and i thought it was the best uh our head brewer loved it aj was like you know if we can upscale this i would uh we tried for a brief period to get josh to upscale it and he's like Mm. no this is not 2005 he's like it's not marketable as much yeah Yeah, he's like it's not marketable (laughs) as much anymore 
So is one of them like the business guy and one of them's like the creative type? Is that their partnership? Yeah. yeah so, so Josh is more of the, uh, is, he's a co-founder. He's our president. So he's more of the business guy. Um, John was originally our head brewer when we first started. Um, his wife has an awesome job and she got promoted since we've started in numerous times in the brewery. And he basically had to take more of a stay at home dad approach mm. uh, to be with his family. Cause they have two twins that are in the eighth grade now. Uh-huh. And she was traveling, as you had mentioned, you know, you were traveling three weeks out of the month. She was traveling. I don't think quite that much, but she was definitely traveling like every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needed to be at home. So AJ, who was originally our taproom manager when we first opened five years ago, became, then became our uh, head brewer. And I mean, AJ and, Josh pretty much are the, the creative minds when it comes to recipes. Usually Josh will be like, <clears throat> send me, you know, five recipes you want to do. And AJ will come up with five different recipes or five different styles and send them to Josh. And they kind of go over the cost analysis of what it might cost to do it. Unfortunately, you know, we, we do have to pay close attention to what is going to sell in the market. We do go through a distributor. So we have to make sure that we're going to sell outside of our tap room. Um, and then they go from there. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm sure that if there wasn't the how much, what's the cost of goods sold, and can we actually sell this, there would be a lot yeah. more different, <laughs> unique, unusual kind of combinations, things like that. That I'm sure you guys would explore, but you know, oh, it's yeah. business. So <laughs> it is. I mean, we have a couple. We we have a couple. Of, uh, you could say more in a sense, more traditional, uh, not the Chicago market at the time right now. Um, we're actually, we have a Baltic Porter in our fermenter that'll be out in a couple months. Uh, and then we also have a Belgian Golden Strong that'll be out um, in a few months. The Belgian Golden Strong was our head brewer AJ's first commercial brew, upscale batch brew for, we have a 15 barrel system at Miskatonic. So it was his first like 15 barrel upscale that he did when he was tapper manager with our former you know, head brewer and current owner still John. So we're pretty excited to see that one come back. So very nice. Cool. That's awesome. You know, one of the things we I've always observed with Miskatonic in particular is that you guys aren't, even though you have to make this cost benefit analysis, you're not afraid to make something that not a lot of other people are making, you know, oh, I mean, no, not, no. there's not a lot of people making strong ales. I mean, oh, no. and I love that. I love that. It's what, makes you guys interesting i always joke about drinking a beer from a no one in particular just once in a while my husband will bring home a can of something from some random place and we'll be drinking it and i'll just be he'll be like oh what do you think about this and i'm just like it's mundane like (laughs) because i've had this beer 50 times you know i mean Uh don't get me wrong i mean i've had some great double ipas i've had some great breakfast stouts i've had so but i've had a lot of them you know and so mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard to go back and to find you know to name the one that's the best you know that you've had if if your memory is so full of other you know breweries producing a, a relatively similar beer but that being said when it comes to breakfast stout and i know lauren will agree with me Owlbear is hands down my favorite and I am obsessed with that beer. (laughs) Yeah. We've literally compared like other beers. Like that's kind of our baseline. Like, is this as good as Owlbear? No. I mean, it's close, but not. Yeah. That's been one of our favorites. (laughs) And it just happened to, and I want you to talk about it, Paul. I don't, I don't want to stop you from doing that, but like it just happened to come out right before we started doing this podcast. And so like, yeah, when, when we both drank it and we drank it on the podcast, when we, when we drank it, I was just like, this is crazy. This is fantastic. I absolutely love this. And it comes up when we drink even just a stout or a porter, anything that would even be even remotely close or has any type of adjunct that matches up with owlbear. It's like, well, do you like it as much as owlbear? And I don't know that I've ever said that I do. I mean, Not yet. I just really enjoy it. Just, just perfectly balanced. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's a, a great breakfast out. Uh, going back to you know founders, I really love their breakfast out, and Me too. that was like that was like my benchmark for the longest time of what like a breakfast out is supposed to be. And then when we when we did Albert, you know, the maple syrup, the cold brew coffee, which we got from Ten Drops out of Plainfield, um, I thought it was just really well balanced. It really worked with the base that we did. Um, it is a 
it is a milk stout compared to where breakfast stout from founders is an oatmeal stout. So that does mm-hmm. play a huge difference. There is lactose, mm-hmm. milk, sugar in it. Um, but I thought it just, it, it, it had that full, like having a cup of coffee, having pancakes and maybe having a glass of milk on the side kind of thing. Like absolutely it just all blended in together. Um, I am pushing for that to be like our next barrel aged dungeon master release. We, we will, we will see if, if that comes to, fruition but that is my that is my my dream to get that beer oh, uh the, the base that we have in barrels right now and remake that beer so that would be fantastic uh, there we, is we, like we will see no amount of money i would be unwilling to pay for a sixtal of owlbear i just i don't want I, to alarm you but i just like no i <laughs> I, I, I make no promise. Josh does all that that stuff yeah, in yeah. regards to sales and cost analysis. I just he he just gives me a sheet of what I can and can't sell, and if I can sell it, I sell it, and I tell you how what I can sell it for. Yeah, Fair I yeah. I don't know if you handle the Facebook page for Miskatonic, but I've sent do, some threatening messages. Yeah, it's then you've yeah. been the one to read them I've, because I'm, I'm just like responds, yes. <laughs> I'm just like if this happens and I don't get it, I'm gonna be really upset. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, on, on t- I guess you could say on top of being our taproom manager, I'm our social media guru. I do all of our social media. Uh, when it's non-COVID era, I book all of our private events. Okay. Um, I mean, I am running our online store right now, keeping that in track. Uh, pre, pre our Square Site store, we when we first were in COVID, unfortunately, we were doing everything through a Google form sheet, which our owner Josh's wife, she created entirely. God bless her soul, because I know nothing about Google Sheets at all. Um, but we were manually submitting invoices, and people were paying those. Well, I was the one who was doing those invoices. Yeah. Um, and we actually, our first ever Barrel-Aged Dungeon Master was Barrel-Aged Mimic, which was our toasted coconut. Uh, when we launched that, everything like had to be inputted manually. Like We had no way of controlling you know, sales or inventory because everything was through a Google form. I remember waking up at like two, three o'clock in the morning, like checking it, checking like all the orders that it came oh, through geez. through my email and be like, oh crap, I have to go up and process these invoices and make sure we didn't oversell bottles. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. When you guys, uh, when you guys did that with the Google form, I accidentally submitted it twice or something and you yeah, emailed lot. me and was yep. like, so did you mean to do that? And I was like, I mean, no, but yeah, sure. Just give them to me anyways. And it's I was perfectly happy with getting two of them because it worked out in the end, but it was definitely a mistake. So. Yeah, we, had, we, had, we, had, we had a lot of those in, 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 you know, the overhaul and, you know, COVID, if, if it's not taught us anything as an industry and as, a, you know, business owners or, or working for small businesses, you learn to adapt and grow. Uh, I was so happy the day that uh, Square sent us an email saying, oh, we're offering free online sites for 90 days sure, or whatever yeah. it was and i'm like sign well, me yes. up for this yeah for sure i was like sign me up for this phone call so you know i set up the phone call with them and got our square site up and running it's basic it's generic yeah but it works looks, it's all looks okay but it works i can yeah excuse me track inventory and know what's going in and yeah not yeah, be not worried about overselling things yeah for sure um all right care what are we going to open next because i feel like we need to drink something else absolutely yeah uh let's see you want to drink uh let's drink west coast wizard because that's what paul's drinking here i know we just went from the double the west coast double but let's drink west coast wizard especially because i want to talk about well i guess we already sort of hit on the name right is that well we talked well so we We talked talked about about unified we talked about unified so west coast wizard this was actually our first ever west coast ipa um we launched this so this is 2020 so we actually launched this last july or end of july beginning of august 2019 um we used to brew an american ipa called wise fool since we opened day one um as i mentioned earlier we go to the distributor um wise fool aj had changed a handful of times made small changes between the malts and the hop combo and you know hop scheduling like when you dry hop when you add hops in the kettle during the brew process we loved where it was, but unfortunately we couldn't hit the hump of untapped. We kind of talked about that earlier of how like people were like, Oh, two out of five stars don't like IPAs, you know, kind of thing. So exactly. we couldn't get past that hump. We couldn't get past that hump with, with Wiseful. And so we knew we wanted to brew something cool. We wanted to brew something new. We were like, West Coast IPAs are gonna are gonna become the new thing, which they are slowly getting in the market more and more. I mean, you see 
Hot Pitcher does them, Moore does them, Phase 3 does them, Liquid Love does them. Those are just yeah. like, you know, the hype breweries right now. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. all the, mm-hmm. the, the buzz, buzzwords. All the buzz. The buzz. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, when I think of a, a, of a West Coast IPA, I kind of go towards like Antihero or okay. something from Revolution, like those, those type of IPAs, those yeah. big, you know, hoppy beers. We knew we wanted to do that, so we are like, we need a cool label and a cool name to go with that. Um, for the most part, we're all somehow nerds or into gaming at Miskatonic. Uh, so West Coast Wizard is actually a play on words. The card company that owns D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, and Magic is actually called Wizards of the West. Oh. We, we really wanted to name the beer Wizard of West Coast, but our artist was afraid we were going to get a cease and desist. Too close. So we cha- yeah, yeah too close. So we changed the name to West Coast Wizard. Um, if you guys have the can in front of you, you can see that the wizard on his longboard is holding a, a burger bag. The original design of that bag actually had an in and out sign on it. Oh. And, and again, our, uh, our graphic artist was like, I can't do that. I'm afraid you'll get a cease and desist. And our owner, Josh, was like, I will probably, probably hang that cease and desist up <laughs> in my tap room to do it. And the artist was like, no, I can't do it. So, but yeah, West Coast Wizard was our first, you know, breakthrough in, uh, in, in the West Coast IPAs. Uh, it's, it's having great success. Um, screw the untapped reviews. Um, eh, I don't even... Keep, I definitely I people, don't follow any of that. <laughs> no, I don't. People, people love it and hate it, but I, I would say that numbers and, and volume speak true to itself. We sell anywhere between 90 to 100 cases a week between our distribution and tap room. Um, it's not going away anytime soon. West Coast Wizard, you know, the love of West Coast IPAs enabled us to do joint effort, which was a West Coast collab. We did with Skeleton Key right when shut down. Like, we actually brewed it, I think, like two or three days before St. Patrick's Day happened, and then we were shut down. Um, And then it allowed us to do unified field theory with foreign exchange. Um, We are actually, the artwork is done. We're just waiting to sell a little bit more of unified field theory. And then we were actually going to be doing West Coast Warlock, which is going to be the double version of West Coast IPA. That's awesome. Fingers crossed it goes, it goes. Yeah, fingers crossed it goes over really well, and that'll be our new year-round beer. So we'll have a single West Coast and a double West Coast available at all times. Nice. That's awesome. You guys are nerds, though. I love it, though. <laughs> oh, we are. Yeah. I mean, for when, when we first launched our Dungeon Master series, the first two beers were Mind Player and Demogorgon. Of course, everyone thought it was because of Stranger Things, because Stranger right. Things had just came out. Uh, but really if you watch Stranger Things, you know Dungeons, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but when we la- when we launched those first two beers, we actually started a brewery D and D game every <laughs> oh, Monday. Nice. Um, I quickly bounced out of it because it turned from like, oh, you know, come in at seven, we'll play for a few hours, to oh, we came in at seven and we were playing until one or two o'clock in the oh, morning. Geez. And then being back in, you know, the brewery the next day, I'm like, nope. Uh, I mean, I'm <laughs> only in my 30s, but but I'm an old man. Like, I got to be in bed by like 10 at the latest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that often happens, though. My husband used to play Dungeons and Dragons uh, for in college quite a bit, and then also like with groups, you know, through like game stores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He would meet people, and they would get together and play. And it was always like that. It was always like, oh, we'll, we'll start at seven, we'll play till like 10:30. And then we'll call yeah. it a night. And and he was working a job that he had to be at at six in the morning. So oh. if it got to ten thirty, it was like he was putting his coat on. He had to be going out the door. And mm-hmm. it just would like that would never be the case. And it would always be eleven, eleven thirty. And he was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It always, but you know, it's because you're enjoying yourselves, right? I mean, you know, everybody just, needs that's how it goes. Everybody needs a hobby. Yeah. Well, when um, Bugbear is that the new one that that's came the new out? Yeah, so, on Friday. Yeah, so haven't I haven't had that one yet? I, it's in my it's it's upstairs waiting for me. But um, so Kara's husband wasn't he saying? Oh, they've had they've done that before. They yeah. they've done this one. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then he was just like, he was like, oh, yeah, they've made this before. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think that's true. And he was just like, well, maybe I've just faced a lot of bugbears in D&D. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I don't <laughs> That I can't answer. <laughs> yeah. I do not play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I just don't have the, like, patience for it. I, I don't know. That's an unpopular opinion, but he really wants my kids to play eventually. And I think they would really like it. They're both very creative, imaginative kids, 
Um, Mm -hmm. But I just like, I don't know. I just don't have that. I mean, I work in a creative industry. I mean, I work, I own a sign business with my brother. And so we do screen printing and digital printing. And I do a little bit of design work myself. And like, but the idea of doing like, like even original design work, I really struggle with because I need kind of a jumping off point. And I think that all plays comes into play with my creative juices flowing in the, in the gaming world as well. <laughs> I need more direction than that. <laughs> yeah. I've, 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 I've never been to it. So I can't, can't speak <laughs> to it at all. My husband and her husband were roommates in college. And I think okay. my husband was the only one that did not that did not play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's correct. I'm pretty one sure of that's the true. House that did not. So, um, okay. So we're on that subject. What do you do in your free time, if you have any free time? Outside that's what I was going to say. Drinking, yeah. brewing, uh, you know, uh, etc. <laughs> so my wife and I actually had our baby, our first child, in November of 2019. She just turned one. Awesome! Um, wow. thank, Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. Um, her name is Olivia, and I would say my wife and my daughter take up most of my free time. Um, up until totally reasonable, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, up up until a few months ago, we were actually we're kind of on opposite schedules. Uh, we still are on opposite schedules. I still am at the brewery usually four nights a week, um, but I've kind of transitioned into like a Monday through Friday rule. So like the weekends are definitely all about the family. So I I, I try to. Uh, I still, you know, I have a Nintendo Switch, so I still try to game a little bit. And um, I, you know, I, as of right now, I, I would say I'm more devoted to my to my daughter and my wife a little bit more than anything. So I'm a pretty laid back person for the oh. most part. I I uh, I used to work out a lot, and now obviously now I first had a child, and I was like, well, that that just doesn't work out anymore. <laughs> Can't really go to the gym. And then, uh, then COVID happened, and I'm like, no way am I going to the gym right now. Yeah, if yeah. I open, I'm, I'm out on that. Yeah, fair. No, Especially I, with a little I, one at I, home. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. One, my, my in-laws watch watch our daughter two days a week, so and my, my father-in-law is, like, pre-diabetic and has high blood pressure, and it's like, I can't risk exposing anybody to anything. I'm already in the public eye mm-hmm. all the time, seeing right. random people. I'm like, got to be careful. Can't Can't take risks, so... Oh yeah, totally get it. My husband just got over COVID actually when we uh, we quarantined him to be away from. I have we have three kids, um, so and normally my parents help us with the children, but we're like, nope, we won't see you for two weeks. We won't see anybody for two weeks. Burkhats, please <laughs> deliver my groceries. Like, yeah. not leaving the house. And my husband was in the spare bedroom with his own bathroom, didn't eat with us, didn't talk to us, didn't anything. Um, and none of the rest of us got it, knock on wood. So, and he's, yeah. he's fine now, except he can't smell anything. So like oh. he tried to cook dinner the other day and he put like an excessive amount of pepper on it because he kept smelling it and he couldn't smell it. And then we all tried to eat it and we're like, yeah, no, this is going in the garbage. Like, so I still don't really understand <laughs> why he was like, "What bourbon am I going to drink tonight? How do you drink bourbon without well, being able to?" Yeah, smell? he had he well, he's starting to get it back today. But so we went to Benny's. I don't know, however long ago, and my husband texts me all these like bourbons and scotches, and he's like, "All right, pick up one of these." And he's of course giving me all of these names that are like impossible to find that like are rare things. And so Benny's did have one of the what was it, Glenmorangie maybe cake um anyways limited edition scotch and i brought it home and i'm like don't don't even bother opening this if you can't smell it's a waste like Mm -hmm. that's like beer but even more so i feel like sometimes with the bourbons and the whiskeys like the smell is like half of the experience is being able to to have that smell and mix the aroma and the taste um and you know a lot of a lot of the darker beers actually i feel like are, are definitely like that as well like i feel like i get so much more out of the experience by by the aroma of things but yeah he was he's been useless for for eating and drinking and things because he can't smell eating but we're healthy and fine and and all of that that stuff so all, all is well in the world right now but yeah no um you know we've obviously my kids are six six and eight and Kara's are six and nine so definitely went through the whole you know new baby experience and Mm -hmm. it changes you know kind of what you can do what you want to do even and how you spend your time and 
you know, that changes as the kids get older. There's so much more we can oh, do yeah. now that the kids are have their own personalities, are so much more independent, can take them places, do things like um so it's gonna be a constantly changing evolving thing but that's awesome good yeah plus now my kids can snap at me and tell me they hate going to the grocery store whereas (laughs) when they're babies they can cry all they want but you can drag them wherever you want to take them (laughs) true. true. i get a lot more sass when they start talking (laughs) yeah yes all right, I think I'm going to open one more beer. I was going to say, decide. Paul, looks like you took something else. What are you drinking now? I did. I'm actually drinking. I had to dig into my house Ooh. fridge, which I try not to keep any beer in because my wife gets mad because I have three beer fridges technically <laughs> between my our wine fridge that we originally bought for me to be a beer fridge. And I was like, don't buy me a wine fridge. But she bought it anyway because it looked nice. Um, and then the kegerator that I have can hold extra beer in it. And then I actually have a beer fridge in the garage um i actually grabbed skycap which is our coffee porter oh man yeah it's our seasonal coffee porter we have out right now um we actually use the coffee we've been doing it since we used to the beer originally used to be called anti-prol um when we use when our house yeast strain was uh, a british ale yeast we've now switched to an american ale yeast so we switched the name to skycap skycap but the uh the roastery that we use is modest um, modest coffee. They're out of somewhere in West Chicago, I believe that area. So, okay, cool. I don't know, Lauren, what do you want to open? I'm open for whatever. I've got beers sitting around me. So do you want to let's open? Wa- let's open flying Dutchman. All right, let's oh, do it. It's a good one. I had to intentionally grab a bottle opener because everything else I have me is too. cans. And I was like, man, I'm going to sit down and I'm not going to have a bottle opener. And I'm going to be really upset because I like, I kind of locked myself into the space I am right here. If I had to get up while we were talking, you guys would literally see me like stand on this chair <laughs> because I'm kind of trapped here. <laughs> I, well, I just right. wanted to sit in a comfy chair, but I had to push it all the way in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm excited about this. So tell us yeah, about too. tell us about Flying Dutchman while I start pouring myself one. Yeah, so Flying Dutchman is our rum barrel aged stout. Um, let's see here. Let me remember. So I believe uh, I'm probably slightly wrong on this, but I know this was one of our first barrel aged beers that we ever released. Uh, this beer hasn't been made since 2016, or well, it was brewed in 2015. hasn't been released since 2016. Um, it going back to untapped for forever. It was our longest rated, most top beer. People always asked us when we were doing it. We were just like, oh, not in the cards, not doing it, not doing it. Hmm. Finally, January, was it January? Sometime between January and March of 2019, our head brewer, AJ, was like, we are remaking this beer. I'm buying rum barrels. We are doing it. So we bought rum barrels. Uh, We filled them. I would say six months into the year, we bought two more rum barrels because we were rebrewing the base beer uh, for a different project, filled more rum barrels with it. And then we, you know, went to go do a barrel tasting, tried the original four, tried the two that were fairly new, realized that we, you know, had mixed feelings about it. We let it sit a little bit longer and then we blended it between the two different rum barrels that we had. So, uh, and that's where it is. I get a lot, you know, when, I'm not drinking it right now, but I've had it within the last couple of days. I actually tried it today just to see how it was tasting out of the bottle. Um, I get a lot of like dark, sweet, spicy rum notes out of it. Um, get a nice dark chocolate, fruit notes say, to it. Dark get the chocolate oak. and the rum spices definitely yeah. is what's coming yeah. out to me. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction, especially like I said earlier, I taste through smell a lot. And my re- initial reaction is, that that spicy rum smell and flavor match each other really well like neither one Mm -hmm. is knocking me over neither one is like overwhelming um but they're not so so mild that i am not i'm missing them they're just right where they want it right where i would want them to be i'm not a huge rum barrel aged beer fan sometimes i think rum is a little sweet Mm -hmm. um and so like even even back in my college days when drinking hard liquor was like the best possible way to get drunk as quickly as possible i 
didn't I didn't really like rum though and so girl but yeah (laughs) I was a gin I was a gin drinker which is why I'm always weird when whenever there's like a gin related beer in some fashion I have to try it because I'm like Mm -hmm. I have this Mm -hmm. fascination with gin well and there's not that many so no there aren't it's pretty uncommon but um but I'm a little funny about rum I'm about 50 50 I really like this um this it's not overly sweet. It doesn't have that syrupy, like, like feeling that you get in the back of your throat when you drink something that's like, it's like drinking a glass of Hershey syrup where it just like clogs mm-hmm. you. I don't get that feeling from it at all. This is just really nice and smooth. Um, definitely that chocolatey balance to it too. This is good. This is really good. I'm very pleased. I think the raw okay. barrel aged are a little bit sweeter at times, but it doesn't give you as much of the burn um the booziness burn Mm -hmm. i mean they're still definitely there but as like the bourbon barrel age does so it's a little more drinkable i feel like for people that aren't huge on the barrel age and it's got a little bit more sweetness to it but i think this is a good it's a good blend like it's a good the the flavors match each other well to the rum barrel aged what do you know what rum what barrels you you actually age this in i do not know i believe they were south african rum barrels um we could not tell um Mm -hmm. so rum barrels actually get like used multiple times before they're actually used for rum barrels usually between different spirits and and liquors so uh there there was a few different stamps on it and uh aj's actually worked in the cheese industry uh and like aging actual cheeses so he knows like some of the stamps they use is kind of similar to the barrel age process like the barrel process and liqueurs and spirits um and he was like i have no idea what no idea what uh (laughs) what barrels these are i can tell you that we actually just got barrels from great lakes up in milwaukee Mm -hmm. and that's going to be next year's flying dutchman release we have fresh fresh beer in there and we actually drove up to get those barrels because i mean i'll be 100 percent honest in fact when we first tried this beer in the barrel we were not impressed oh we were like this is not what it was back in 2016. Mm. We're not getting the same profiles, the same notes. Uh, even when we blended the two barrels into our carbon tank, we tried it. We were like, it's almost there, but it's not the same thing. Uh, we chalked it up to the fact that we had got the barrels from Great Lake before. So Josh made the drive up to Milwaukee, got to two them. barrels. Yeah. So that way we can do it next year. So, but yeah, so cool. far... It's, it's getting positive reviews. We're happy with how it actually turned out in the bottles. It's actually been sitting in the bottles, I'd say, for almost a month now between okay. bottling, just the way the bottling works. So mm-hmm. um, we're really happy with how it's come out so far. Yeah, I, I will. It, I did not have this the first time you guys made it. So this is my first experience with it. And I do like it. Um, but obviously, if you guys have expectations of trying to meet where you were with the first time, then hopefully mm-hmm. you can, can meet that. Um, next time around so oh, i'm sure we will yeah yeah i have one more question for you paul and then we can yeah we can go on our merry way if you'd like but i That's this okay. is something that lauren and i talk about a great deal and i like to i love this subject what is your like recruitment beer how do you recruit people to craft beer because like like what is the beer that you give to somebody who doesn't really drink craft beer? Anything. I mean, any brewery doesn't have to be Miskatonic. It can be, mm-hmm. of course, but um, right. what do you give to people? Uh, I mean, so for example, if I get someone who walks into my tap room who has never had craft beer before, I instantly pour them a box, which is our Pilsner that we do. Um, I mean, I think we have to take it, we need to take it back old school, you know, all the way back, you know, old style brewing, more modern or old style brewing, you know, Pilsners and lagers are the way to go. I usually have a six pack of box in my fridge. Uh, if we're going to take it back, even, you know, away from craft beer hams, my, my fridge is usually oh. always stocked with hams. <laughs> nice. uh, my father, my father-in-law loves hams. Our head brewer, AJ always has hams. We <laughs> usually have hams at the brewery somewhere that we're, we're, we're drinking. I mean, that that's just, that's just my, my thing. Um, not taking away from anything. A lot of people do great beers. We don't do a lot of, I guess, gimmicky things at Miskatonic. Um, I don't have a fruited sour on that has tons <laughs> of lactose in it. We do have a mm-hmm. kettle sour that has cherry in it and it has a lot of cherry in it, like 55 gallons worth of cherry oh in it. Gosh. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's a lot, but it's all fermented out. So it's not like that overly sweet, heavy fruit beer. So, you know, when someone comes and asks me about that, I'm like, well, I don't got that, but I have this, which is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the things that I love about working at Miskatonic. We try to stick as much traditional as we can. We try to make sure that the beer that we're putting out is the best beer that we can represent, uh, which a lot of breweries do. And I, and, I, and I love being in this industry, especially in this market. Chicago is one of the greatest markets. But yeah, handing someone a, uh, giving someone a, a pour of boxer, telling them, oh, it's just like hams. And they're like, oh, I drink hams all the time. Or that's the beer I used to steal from my parents, you know, back in the day. You know, I just, yeah. I just love being able to relate to people like that. So that's awesome. And that's exactly what I mean. I mean, that's, that's exactly what my goal is. I sometimes talk about how I'm like, I'm like not making money off of the number of people that I'm like recruiting into the craft beer world. <laughs> like every time I meet somebody and I have the opportunity to have them try something that they, that I know they've never had before, even like my own family. I mean, my father, you know, drinks like Peroni, you know, like Italian <laughs> beer, and, yeah. which is not, you know, great uh, <laughs> from a subjective standpoint. I don't love it, but um. But, you know, we would go to a place that had like an incredible tap list and he would hand the list to me and he would just say, you know, order me something that you know I'll like. And every time we Mm -hmm. would go, I would take it like one step further (laughs) towards something that was more of a craft beer that was a little bit that was going to kind of like bridge the gap. Um, And I can get him to drink, you know a zombie dust at a at a bar um you know which is a big jump honestly Um, (laughs) and i can you know i mean i can get my father you know he would definitely drink vox for sure um he would you know he really likes german lagers he really likes you know he'll drink a merzen on occasion Mm -hmm. something like that a kolsch um and, you know, he'll kind of that I think that what you do is you kind of try to feel somebody out, ask them what they like, and you try to oh, yeah. you try to, like, take them to the next step. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I do like Miskatonic in that they're not like so many of the, the buzz breweries right now are making things that some would argue aren't as much like beer because they're so kind of out there or fruity or whatever but it's nice to have some just not it's not basic in that it's not flavorful but it's not like out there in terms of Mm -hmm. the different you know adjuncts variables different things in there um it's nice sometimes to just drink something that's a beer and not like a juice or uh you know something so (laughs) something that's gonna give you a heartburn later (laughs) right or, or even like a, a, a you know, like a chocolate cake or something. You know, we do we do the Dungeon Master series, which is our Imperial Pastry Style series. Um, but we've never added like actual cookies or cakes or anything. We always try to add natural ingredients like cacao nibs and vanilla and cassia bark and orange peel, things like that. So that way we're 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 mimicking all those flavors the right way i guess you could say yeah. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying there's a wrong or a right way sure, but sure. we feel like we are doing this the right way that way that we are being 100 percent truthful and honest to our our clientele yeah no it's 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 great i really you know again we've we've been saying for a while miskatonic is one of the, the underrated breweries in the area uh there's a wide variety of different types and styles of beers that you guys make um, pretty much everything I've had, and I haven't had everything from you guys, but has been solid. And, you know, you're definitely putting out things that um, hit the mark for what type of beer and the description that you guys are going for, which is, I think, the, go- the goal. Um, so, you know, whatever you guys are doing, you're doing it well, which is, which is great. Yeah. Thank and thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you oh, so yeah, much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna call it. So thanks again, and uh, you know we'll we'll keep on Miskatonic. I guarantee you, we'll feature you guys again. And uh, if the opportunity yeah. presents itself, we'll have you join us because um, that would oh, be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah once, new release. Uh, I would. Yeah, I would love to have you guys out once you know this whole thing blows over and we can maybe do something actually on site. So absolutely, that'd be great. that would be awesome. That is our dream. I mean, when we started this thing, it was like, oh, we're gonna go to breweries and we're gonna meet the people at these breweries and we're going to talk to them about beer and their lives and (laughs) we had two or three on-site interviews planned 
And actually, March 14th, we were supposed to go over to Wolf Den, um, and okay. we all got shut down, like, March yep. 13th or something. So yep. <laughs> uh, kind of all, all went downhill since then. But, you know, we're hoping for the best, and we will we'll see get what the future holds for us. Yeah, so we'll yep. definitely we'll get, get there. there. All right. Yep. Thanks again. Thanks. thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the latest musings from Parenting by the Pint. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great week, and cheers to you all. Uh-huh.